thanks to all of you who are in the chapel. We are delighted that you're with us this morning. And those who are watching online, welcome to all of you as well. Um, some good news uh, uh, for those of you who are interested. How many of you wonder what's going on with the property, the building, the land? When are you going to ever do something about that? I'm, in, I'm very, very impatient. And your neighbors are asking you. Well, some good news. You're going to notice a trailer going up on that land this week. And that trailer is going to be an office. And over the next couple weeks, they're going to see some concrete trucks come in. And they're going to start pouring concrete over the next few weeks. And on August the 24th, they tell me that some trucks are going to pull up with steel. And all that money we're spending, instead of going like this, is going to go like this. And uh, it's a painful thing to spend a lot of money and see them throw dirt on top of it. And then it just disappears. But... God is good, and, and uh, they are, the financing is in place, and the builders are ready, and the county is on board, and all those things that need to happen. And praise God, we had a quarter of a million dollar benefit this week, a fee that was going to be 303000 that we didn't think was right, and we, we researched it and sent a note back, and they said, oops, you're right, it's only 58000 So uh, that, uh, Amy... If you get elected, go up there and make sure they don't make any more of those mistakes. <laughs> but that's like a quarter of a million dollar gift right there. And so if you have not gotten involved in the uh, uh, Multiply campaign, um, there's not a better time than right now. And uh, you know what's amazing? God has just been so amazing in how he has helped us with the campaign, helped us with the financing, helped us with the building, helped us with the participants, the people that he's brought on board but here's what I believe. I believe if everybody will just do what the Lord asked them to do, um, we're going to see miraculous things happen. And I know that is going to be the case. So um, I invite you to, to get involved in that. We're excited about that. I, I failed to mention a moment ago, but our hearts are continuing to go out to and a prayer is going up for the family of the little boy that was, uh, was uh, lost this week at Smith Mountain Lake. And and uh, we just are praying for that family and for those involved. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys that's involved in our church was there with them and was able to pray with them and minister to them. Um, but we just uh, are praying for this family. And, and uh, you know, uh, God is a gracious and a loving and a wonderful God. And it's great to have His power and strength and grace to rely upon in these tragic moments, isn't it? And so let's all be agents of that to those around us who need it. Today we launch our annual week of renewal. Uh, for many years it was called uh, Blue Ridge Holiness Camp. Actually the legal name on the paperwork is the Blue Ridge Second Blessing Holiness Camp. And uh, they changed that some time ago. And, and so we are calling it Week of Renewal. And uh, uh, we're launching that this morning, tonight. Nathan already mentioned at 6.30 there's a concert it's about 50-minute drive from here. We want you to drive up. I'm not asking you. I'm begging you to drive up for a great night tonight. Uh, each night at 7 o'clock, not tonight at 6.30, but the rest of the week, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m., uh, there's a uh, service. There's a morning Bible study at 10.30. Kids and youth events going on all day. We'll be playing golf Wednesday afternoon for anybody that wants to be a part of that. And then each night at 7 o'clock, will be a great rally of just worship and prayer and seeking the Lord and hearing from God's Word. I really encourage you to come up uh, any night, any service that you can. It's a beautiful ride, 
And it goes to the core mission of what we believe in at Eastlake, that God wants to renew and revive His people, and He wants to use us as instruments for renewal and revival in other places. And we want to be a wellspring. We want to be a wellspring of the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world. And God has called us to that. A few years ago, we strategically made a commitment to being a place where we could renew the church at large. And we've done many different things, including pastors' conferences each fall. We bless pastors throughout the year. We, we uh, help pastors in every way that we can. We, we cultivate prayer events and, and trying to be a place that we can bless the world through the revitalization and the revival of God's people. Yesterday, I made a mistake. I was in my office, and I was working along, and I reached over, and I grabbed my coffee mug, and I took a nice big drink. And it was coffee from two days or the day before, something like that. How many of you know that pain? How many of you had to clean that mess up like I did yesterday? Uh, I spit some stuff out. Um, Coffee has a lot in common with Christians. And by that I mean that left to itself, it grows cold. As Christians, if we we are not engaged in in walking and, and growing and expanding, we assume the temperature of the world. Right? Anybody know that? Is this just me? The first two services were with me. Everybody here super saved or something? <laughs> Christians are like coffee. It's been the, it's been the, it's been the uh, plan of God, it seems, since the beginning that he, would, that he would be close to His people. God wanted to be close to His people. He wanted His provision to be enough for His people. He wanted His power to be demonstrated through His people. That's how God has always wanted it to be. Always He's wanted that. And from the beginning, man has had this tendency to wonder and to grow cold and to grow distant from the Lord. And that's just the reality. As a matter of fact, if you, look, you, you go read the history of any denomination, any any. Just about any Protestant denomination, and obviously there's outliers to that but by the fact that if it's truthful or not, but any true Bible-believing denomination, go read the history. Even if they're not Bible-believing now, go read their history. You know what you'll read about? You'll read about a man or a woman or men and women who were on fire for God, who sought the Lord. God did mighty things through them. They were close to the Lord. God used them. Powerful things happened, and God raised up a mighty movement, and that movement began to go and expand, and it created all kinds of churches. Everybody's got a great history, but not everybody's got a great present. A lot of those same churches today are cold, empty, isolated buildings sitting in downtown parts of downtowns of large cities. And if you walk in there today, it's cold, it's dead, it's coffee sitting on my desk. And I'm not picking on people. I'm not picking on denominations. It's, it's the reality. But you go read their history and you'll have somebody, some person up in years that'll, with a glimmer in their eye tell you about some grand and glorious moment where God was doing amazing things because, because that's how God works. And if we're not careful, it's not God that walks away. It's not, we get so comfortable. We get so strong. We get so prosperous. We get so uh, accomplished that we just start... We don't really need God anymore. And that's the story. 
God longs to be close to His people. We have this tendency to wonder. I think about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the garden. God and Adam and Eve were on the same page. They loved each other. They had a great relationship. God said, I'm providing everything you need. Through me, you're going to do amazing things. You're going to multiply, replenish the earth. You're going to have dominion over the earth. You don't have any needs. I'm everything. I Find your delight in me, and I'll find my delight in you. And, and don't touch that. And everything's great. But one day, you know the story. They began to look at that which God forbid. And all of a sudden, God and Adam and Eve's relationship are broken. And God, we find God in the garden going, Adam, Adam. And so it is with churches. And so it is with families. And so it is with individuals who once were on fire for God and who love God and serve God. And we find today that God is, if, you, if we could hear his voice clearly, we would hear him saying, where are you? Where'd you go? What happened? One of the greatest heartbreaks, maybe the single greatest heartbreak, in the life of a pastor. And, and Saturday, by the, or Friday, by the way, I discovered, I just dawned on me Friday that, I, that that was the 24th anniversary of my first Sunday as a pastor. July the 6th, 1994, I'll never forget it. About six of us there, we were packed out. <laughs> we met in a phone booth. No, I'm just kidding. So, so 24 years, and, and, and pretty much... Outside of the six months that we were planting this church and I wasn't preaching regularly on Sunday morning, that's all I've done for 24 years. And, and uh, one of the greatest heartbreaks, the single greatest heartbreaks, is to see men and women come into a relationship with God and be on fire for God and, and see God transform their life. And they love God and they love the things of God and to see Him begin to back away. And so we have this tendency. We have this tendency in our heart as, as Christians and in the church, churches and denominations and families and individuals have this tendency to grow cold. And so Eastlake has committed itself to revival and renewal and blessing the church. And we want to be a place where the, where the fire of God is burning brightly and, and hotly and men and women's lives are being transformed. And so we commit ourselves to this week of renewal. And that's why I'm, it's so important for me for, to invite you. And even, I know you're not staying up there. We want you to be a part of it in the morning or the evening or whatever you can do, uh, uh, whatever you can do to make it up. I want you to turn with me real quickly, though, to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12. We're going to read that verse only and, and then we're going to talk about it for just a couple minutes. Hosea 10, verse 12 says this, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. I mentioned a moment ago that Eastlake made this strategic commitment a few years ago to be involved in renewal. The, the, the Scripture verse that we read this morning is a verse that uh, comes right in the, uh, towards the tail end of the book of Hosea where uh, Hosea was a prophet of God in the mid-8th century B.C. And the people of Israel, honestly, at this moment, were pretty, were pretty, uh, uh, they were pretty uh, successful. They had, they, uh, things were going pretty well. The, the, the kingdoms had divided. There was the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, um, Hosea is the only prophet that actually came from the northern kingdom, but, but he's, the, the northern kingdom is actually doing quite well. But they've turned their back on God. And God actually has Hosea live out a living illustration 
of the relationship that God had with his children. And by that I mean God told Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. In order to be the man that you ought to be, in order to be the miss, uh, the messenger that I really want you to be, I want you to marry a prostitute. And I want you to understand with your own life experience the message that you're going to be preaching. I'll just say as a side note, sometimes God lets us walk through some stuff to help us understand better the purposes that He has created us for. And Hosea was a man. He married a prostitute. They had some kids. The kids had some strange names. One of them was No Mercy. One of them was You're Not My People. I wonder if that kid had a complex. (laughs) Mommy, what? You're not my people. It was a living illustration. And Hosea watched his wife be unfaithful to him, be unfaithful to him. And, and, and then her life was so a mess that her unfaithfulness led her into absolute, uh, uh, total despair. And she ended up on the auction block. And God said, Hosea, I want you to go buy her. And Hosea goes and he pays. He redeems his own wife who had been unfaithful to him. And God said, now you understand my relationship with my people. My people have been unfaithful to me. They've worshipped other gods, but I'm going to redeem them back. How many of you are glad that God is a God who gives us redemption and second chances this morning? And this was God's illustration. So all throughout the book of Hosea, first couple chapters, he tells that story. Then Hosea begins to preach to the people of Israel, stop being unfaithful to God. Stop being unfaithful. Gets to chapter 10, and he gives a description, the characteristics, the characteristics of a people who need to be renewed. And he begins in, in chapter 10, in, the, in the, first, uh, the first few verses, he begins to talk about these characteristics. He says, first of all, that you have a lot of leaves, but not much fruit. You have a lot of activity, but no productivity. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say in verse 2 that God says to the people of, of Israel that when I bless you, you take the blessings that I give you and you build altars to your other gods. And when I bless you, you build pillars. And you make all this about you and your other gods. And then you're not even grateful for me. You say, we don't need a God. We don't even need a king. What would he do for us? We're totally independent. And he says, then you come to worship and you come to the place of worship and you have words, but you don't have any meaning. There's no, the covenant, you speak covenants, but you don't have any meaning in your heart. And on and on he describes the, the church or, or, or the person or the nation who has turned their back on God and who really needs to be revived. They don't even understand what they're doing. They're unproductive, unthankful, uncommitted, unappreciative, and unfaithful. Someone is saying, Pastor Troy, but that's not Eastlake, and I really do thank God that Eastlake is unique. We don't want to become, uh, uh, we don't want to become uh, boastful or proud in our own position, but I want to tell you something. This is a unique church and a unique place, and I thank God for it. But God did not call us just to work at Eastlake. The church world in, the church in this world really needs renewal. Look at these statistics that I saw just the other day uh, at a meeting with a bunch of pastors in New York. Uh, They they passed out a list of things of the condition of the church. 250,000 Protestant churches in America, 4,000 close each year. You say, people ask me sometimes, what are you into church planting for right there? is one reason. 3,500 people leave the church every single day. 
Now, there's some good news in the church world. I believe God is stirring something, and He's stirring a revival. What, what the statistics say, by the way, are that uh, by and large, and this is not, I'm not speaking to my own uh, uh, benefit this morning, but by and large, denominations are dying. But churches that are growing are Bible-believing, Christ-centered Many times non-denominational churches that are, that are untethered from a bureaucracy and can preach the word and proclaim the goodness of God and are not, are not strictly laced to something that, is, that has become a big organization that may or may not have the blessing of God. But these, are, these, these churches, their churches are growing. There, are some, there is some growth. But by and large, the church is not growing. There are now more senior pastors over 65 than there are leaders under 40. In the evangelical world. Ed Stetzer says Christianity is on decline. There's a group of people that the Pew Research defined and called them nuns. N-O-N-E-S. Not N-U-N-S. N-O-N-E-S. It's people who have no religious affiliation. It was in 2007, it was 15% of people said, I'm a nun. I'm a, I'm a nobody. I, 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 don't, I don't have any church affiliation. My church affiliation is None. In 2015, it was 23%. The church is in decline. There's churches everywhere in America, yet overall a growing number of Americans have given up on God, he says. Pew has has tracked the decline in the percentage of Americans who claim to be Christians. In 2007, it was 8 in 10. It dropped 10% in seven years. We have every reason to believe that this trend continues. There will be a... that It will... This portion of society will become increasingly prominent and perhaps even become a majority and we will be in the minority. You say, well, what do we, what do we, well, there's a lot of things that we can do. We can attack it in lots of different fronts, but I want to tell you something. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And the church, the responsibility lies with a church that needs to be revived. In Hosea chapter 10, he described a church that goes through the motions, has lots of earthly blessings, takes all of those blessings and turns them into idol worship. Doesn't praise God, doesn't worship God. Comes to church, has covenants, has words, but they don't have any meaning. It's just a form of godliness without the power thereof. And, and, and our passion and our commitment is that God would help us to be a church that is really on mission about changing the world through the resurrected, revived church of Jesus Christ. Amen. I thank God for the work that he's doing. I had a lady tell me following the service, just uh, the previous service, she said, I want to tell you something. This church had an impact on my children. She said, my my son, and she has three or four kids, but one of her sons, she said, he's he's probably 11 or 12. She said, since the time of fasting and prayer, he spends 20 minutes a day in prayer and Bible reading. Very devoted and conscient. I said, praise God. That's one cool kid. One cool parent, amen, who values that. But by and large, the church, the church is in trouble. God, in these verses, and and we didn't take time to read them all, but in this passage, he gives the effects of spiritual decline. When we turn from God, we we don't do it without, without a consequence. In these verses, listen to this. He says, ultimately, what you turn to, and this is a word right here, Ultimately, what you turn to when you turn away from God, be it pleasure, money, sports, whatever, ultimately what you turn to, that idol, ultimately will disappoint you. Listen to what he says in verse 5. He said, 
The people are mourning, and so are their idolatrous priests, those who rejoiced over it and over its glory. The glory has departed from them. The glory has departed from what? The joy, the glory, the luster of all of those things that the Israel had given itself to was gone. He says in verse number 8, thorns and thistles are growing up on their altars. They were worshiping Baal. They were worshiping all these other gods. But they had lost their glory through the judgment of God. And ultimately, everything that we pursue outside of a devoted, genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, everything else that takes away our, de- our desire and our devotion will ultimately disappoint us. And then he talks about the discipline. The discipline of God in our life and our churches. God said in verse 10, When I please, I will discipline them, and nations shall be gathered against them, and they are bound up for for their double iniquity. Ephraim, his people, often referred to as Ephraim, Ephraim was a trained calf that loved to thresh, and I spared her fair neck. But I will put Ephraim to the yoke now. In other words, God is saying, they have, they have run from me. They've, and you know what, my friends? I believe that the church that is not, does not have Christ at the center is not revived and worshiping and, 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 and living on the truth of God's Word. That church is headed for difficult days. It's in difficult days. We wonder why our kids are leaving. We wonder why our budgets are declining. We wonder why our buildings are decaying. We wonder why our, denom- our, our, our structures are, are we're having to reorganize and, 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 and downsize. We're gonna lay, why are we? Ha- I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. There's disappointment when we seek anything but God. And ultimately, God will not bless I don't know about you, but I want to live under the blessing of Almighty God. These are difficult days. Let me, let me I, I know I'm out of time, but let me get to the message I, I want to preach. <laughs> that was all a setup. Verse 12, and this is, this is the message, which is truly, and, I, and it's quick. Verse 12 gives us our role in renewal. Our role in what someone says, well, if God wants to bring revival, he'll just send it straight out of heaven and we won't be able to start it or stop it. Well, that's true. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But God has always had his people play a role in renewal. God has always had his people play uh, play a role. He said in verse 12 to sow to yourself righteousness. Break up the fallow ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he rains righteousness upon us. And here's our role in renewal. You'll see, you see it there. It is an intentional investment in our spiritual development. How many of you know this morning that the Christian life is not static? And I want to back up and just say something that I meant to say earlier. The Christian life and the vitality of the church are not static. Busyness, the cares of life, temptation, laziness, religious activity, wealth, success, and a million other things at best will pull us away from wholehearted devotion to God and an authentic experience of God's power in our life. And at worst, they will lead us into full-blown apostasy. And 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 the prophet is telling the people of God, he's saying, listen, in your life, You need to be intentional about this matter. And you need to sow into your life righteousness. 
You say, well, God wants to do it, He can do it. He absolutely can, and He is doing it. He's doing it in the means of grace through the Word of God. He's doing it through prayer. He's doing it through God's people coming together. And He's doing it through the week of renewal when you set aside time and intentionally say, I need to seek the Lord. I'm intentionally investing in my spiritual development. We invest in our kids' academics, and we ought to do that. We invest in our kids' athletic ability, and we ought to do that. And we drive them all over the countryside all the time so they can get a little better at a sport. But I want to tell you something. The greatest development in your kid's life is the spiritual development through the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart and life. And... And we do the same for ourselves. We improve ourselves in a thousand, and we ought to. But I want to tell you something. The, the prophet is saying, if you want to be renewed, and if you want to experience renewal, start availing yourself of the things that will produce righteousness in your life. I'm not talking about works here this morning. I'm talking about putting myself into a place where the grace of God can really affect my life. He says we need to recognize and repent of the known areas of spiritual need in our life. He says, break up the fallow ground. And honestly, the chapter 10, and I, I haven't preached this sermon like I wrote it at all in any service because I hadn't had any time, and I got more time now, so you're in trouble. But anyways, uh, 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 this, sermon t- this text, this passage talks about politics, agriculture, and religion. It's sort of three threads that run through the whole chapter. But this idea of agriculture and how he uses that in several different ways. And in this case, he says, I, you, need to, you need to sow righteousness into your life. And then you need to go to the areas of your life that are, that are hard and calloused and cold and dead and unreceptive to the truth of God. And you need, by the grace of God, to repent, to recognize those and then repent of those and break up the fallow ground so that the seed of God's truth can take root in your heart. Amen. How many of you know? How many of you know that that happens in our life? And if we're not careful, we get cold and we get calloused and we get unconcerned and we get unsympathetic and we care. We do not care about those who are lost and we do not care about the things in our life. And if we're not careful, we need to we, we, we ought to heed rather. We ought to heed the word of the prophet when he said, Take some time, intentionally sow some righteousness into your life and recognize the areas that have grown cold and unreceptive and break it up through the power of God's grace and repentance and say, oh God, would you help me? There's not a person here, I'm sure, not a person anywhere that, that, that is a Christian that would say, yeah, I really don't want the power of God in my life. We all want the power of God. Praise God. I had a guy come in yesterday and he said, I cannot control my life. I cannot run my life. I need God's help. And he prayed and confessed and repented and gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ right there in my office yesterday and was at church at 930. Praise God that only God can do that. We want the power of God. But I want to tell you something. I know churches that grow cold and calloused and unreceptive. I know Christians that grow cold and calloused and unreceptive. And if, we, if we're not careful, that happens. And so we regularly need to break up the fallow ground and let God work in our life. And then we must begin an immediate and diligent pursuit of God in prayer. I love what he said in verse 12. It is time to seek the Lord. Amen. What time is it? Amen. It's time to seek the Lord. Our marriages are messed up. And we try to fix that person. We try to orchestrate that. We try to correct our 
spouse. We try to blame. We, it's time to seek the Lord. Sometimes we don't seek the Lord because we don't believe the Lord is capable or able or in, willing to do anything about it. Our kids are all messed up. It's time to seek the Lord. Amen? It's time to seek the Lord. Our, our heart is hardened. Our heart is cold. We don't, we're not, we're, our relationship with God has grown. It's time to seek the Lord. And, and, and I, the ESV translates it a little different. I researched it. And the original language, there's a preposition there that is clearly until. The ESV says it's time to seek the Lord. Something else till he... Uh, he comes and reigns righteousness. The word is, is, is accurately translated until he reigns righteousness. We need an immediate. Some, some of us this morning, this week of renewal, this time of seeking after God, this time of breaking up, the, we need to say, okay, today, today, I'm going to be on my knees. I'm going to be lifting up my children. I'm going to pray about this. Until the Lord reigns righteousness upon me. How many need God to reign righteousness in something in your life this morning? You know, Jacob wrestled with the Lord all night. And he got that close to the Lord. He said, oh no, Lord, you're not leaving now. You're not leaving until you bless me. And he wrestled all night until the Lord touched him. And we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, need your help. Oh, God doesn't care about me. He didn't answer my prayer. You know, some things come about, Jesus said, by earnest prayer. And seeking after Him. And it's time to seek the Lord until He reigns righteousness upon us. I believe the church that prays until God reigns righteousness, God will do some supernatural things in our midst. I believe God can supernaturally transform our families and transform our children and transform our communities and break the impossible habits and addictions. God can do this. It's t- you say, well, if the Lord wants to revive me, he'll revive me. You're going to sit there and grow colder and deader and deader and deader. And that ain't even a word. But you're going to be it. Amen? Pastor Troy, why do we spend all this money and all this time on week of renewal? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got things to do. The lake is beautiful and it's the best time of the year to be on the water. Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's time to seek the Lord. Amen? I'll tell you why. Because we're sowing seeds of righteousness into our life. I'll tell you why, because while we get up there and we pray and we have prayer meeting and we have Bible study and we eat together and we laugh together and we go to church together, by about the third day, the fallow ground, the goodness and the grace of God's uh, power begins to pour into the lives of people and the hardness of their heart begins to soften and melt and God begins to work and He begins to tear. You come to church for an hour on Sunday, well, you whip in here, you whip out. But I want to tell you something, some of us need to sow some seeds of righteousness into our life. In a couple years, good news to everybody, that's going to be down here, Lord willing. And you're going to be able to do it every day right here at the lake and sleep in your own little fancy bed by yourself every night. Or maybe not by yourself. Hopefully you got a wife or a husband. But you can sleep in your own bed. But I want to say we're committed to renewal. Why? Because we tend to grow cold. And God has called us to cultivate in our own life the spiritual disciplines and activity that will bring about the blessing of God. My kids need it. My wife needs it. I need it. This church needs it. And the, the church of Jesus Christ across, the, across this country needs a renewal and an awakening like we've never seen before. Oh, God, let it be. Amen? Amen. Ben, can we sing whatever she's playing there? Let's pray together. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we rely upon you. Lord, I pray for those who came this morning just cold maybe unresponsive to the truth of your word and 
Lord, I pray that you would use this day and this week. Lord, this church is an instrument of your power and transformation in, in our life. Lord, I pray that you would keep us from spiritual mediocrity. Lord, you, you told the church at Ephesus they had left their first love. You told the church at Pergamum that they were uh, dead. You told the church at Thyatira that they had gone into sin. You told the church at Laodicea that they were neither cold nor hot. And Lord, we know that that is all the things that happen in a church when we, when we don't cultivate your truth and your grace. Oh God, keep us on our face before you, we pray. Help us to be obedient. Lord, let Eastlake be a place where the power and the fire of God burns brightly and affects us all and that our children will grow up to serve you and to go into the work of the Lord. Lord, that our, that our, that our families will be restored and protected from destruction. And Lord, that your glory would resound from here to those around the world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com. Or find us on your favorite social media platform, at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.